Hello, and welcome to the Canine Conversations podcast, where we're positively obsessed with behavior. Join certified dog trainers as we discuss case studies, explore training concepts, and interview experts in the field of behavior. And speaking of interviews, today's episode includes myself, Marissa Martino, owner of Pause and Reward Dog Training in Boulder, Colorado, and I am joined by my dear friend, Dr. Angie Krause from Boulder Holistic Vet. Welcome, Angie. Hey, it's so good to be here. So Dr. Krause, can you tell us a bit about yourself, your practice, and what makes you so unique? Yes. Well, I am a holistic veterinarian um, in Boulder, Colorado. I have a house call practice, um, and I uh, use both traditional and alternative um, treatments and diagnostics to get the best results for my patients. What's so fun about Angie's practice is that she and I get to see a lot of the same patients. And so it, I really get to see the impact of Angie's work with some of my clients. So it's, it's pretty lovely to be working in collaboration together and to be using different alternative treatments um, because a lot of my clients see excellent results. So um, today, speaking of excellent results, we're going to be discussing the five best ways to support your dog's gut health. But before we jump in, why are we talking about gut health? Like how, why does that have an impact? Well, gut health really affects everything um, about your dog. It affects their immune system. Um, it can definitely affect their behavior. We know that um, we have a lot of research in people um, to show that there's a really intimate connection um, between the health of your gut and um, your neurotransmitters. So behavior, how you feel. And so we can assume a lot of that is true uh, with our dogs as well. And so anything from um, digestive problems to autoimmune disease to behavior problems can all be affected by the gut. So it's really hard for your dog to be as happy and healthy um, as possible if their gut isn't balanced and healthy. So let's dive in and let's discuss the five best ways to support your dog's gut health. So what is number one? So number one is what you feed your dog. Um, this is the most important thing uh, you can do. And it's very different for every dog as to what the best diet is uh, for, their, uh, for their gut health. Now, my favorite diet for gut health is a raw diet. And I have to say, this doesn't work for every dog. Um, but for the dogs that it works for, we know that raw diets move through the digestive tract more slowly, and it promotes a better balance of bacteria. And we actually have a few studies, um, I think one's out of New Zealand and maybe one out of Europe that shows that dogs that were fed a raw diet have a more diverse microbiome or types of bacteria. So basically they have um, more of the good bacteria and they have different kinds of bacteria. And so we know um, that that promotes um, uh, anti-inflammatory properties and um, it just promotes overall health, uh, better immune system. And so raw diets are my favorite. And that being said, they just don't work for every dog. And they can also be um, cost prohibitive. So if you had like four dogs that were 50 pounds each, that can be <laughs> yeah. quite expensive. And so if that is not an option, um, you could also do um, a, a mix of kibble and raw, or you could do a mix of home cooked and raw. And so for the dogs that aren't doing well on raw, I would recommend um, a home cooked diet and I'm also um, sensitive to the fact that we don't all have time to cook for ourselves, let alone our dogs. 
And so my recommendation is just to uh, feed a diet that's as little processed as possible. So kibble is the most processed and then you have canned, a little bit less processed then you have a cooked diet and then you have a raw diet. So any meal that you can start kind of sliding over to the least processed side, um, you're going to definitely um, increase your dog's gut health. Um, It's also important um, that you do something that works for your dog. Some people get really committed to a certain kind of diet, um, but their dog has horrible GI tract issues. Um, Maybe people are really committed to a raw diet, but their dog just can't handle it. Um, So I think it's important to not get too dogmatic because when we um, feed our dogs a diet that upsets their stomach, we're not actually promoting any kind of gut health or balance. And so I think it's really important to listen to what your dog does well on. I mean, I have uh, one dog in my practice that um, can only eat canine caviar. And it's not the diet that I think would be optimal in my opinion, but it's the diet that this dog does the best on. Mm-hmm. Um, his allergies are the best. His, you know, his um, stools are the best. And so for him, that is probably the best. So what I don't want people um, to do is get hold on really tightly to one diet or another. And, and some dogs really do need grains in their diet. Some people get really um, dogmatic about, you know, grains, maybe they're paleo and they don't want to eat grains. And so they think that's what their dog should be eating. And so it's important to know that it's okay for dogs to eat grain. I try to stay away from gluten and corn, um, but some dogs just do better with like a little rice or some ancient greens. Um, in their diet. So tip number one is to, to just do um, the least processed diet possible. And if you have to do kibble, if you can ever add on um, whole foods, that's better. And then in the tips to come, we'll go over other ways you can populate your dog's bacteria in their gut. Yeah. This is one of the, one of the many reasons why I love Angie is because when I see her work with clients and when she's worked uh, with Sully and I, she never said like, Oh, you have to completely remove the kibble and get them on raw. Like that wasn't her, um, approach. I feel like she really takes into consideration the person's lifestyle, what's working for the dog, the budget. And she also, this was like, I don't even know if you remember, like maybe two years ago, we were on a conference call and you were like, maybe just start adding in some whole foods. Like, you know, he's got some kibble, but like maybe add him in some, add in some whole food. And I started there and then now Sully is half kibble, half raw. Um, and he does really, really well on it. Um, his stool is really great. Um, he's, but when most people meet him, they're like, wow, he's 11. This dog looks like he's six. Um, and so in general, that diet works for him. I would say that the kibble diet, it did work for him too. I didn't see like a dramatic difference. However, for me, I feel like, um, you know, I'm feeding him less processed food and that makes me feel better about what it is that I'm giving to him, especially as he's an aging dog. I want to make sure that I'm giving him as much nutrient dense foods as possible. So, um, I just really appreciate that Angie will meet you halfway, even more than halfway and not necessarily, you know, um, demand a specific diet just because she subscribes to that. I think that that's really important when you're working with a veterinarian is that you're asking questions and that you guys are co-creating the solution on some level. Would you agree with that, Angie? I, I would agree with that. I mean, I've had as a holistic veterinarian, I've had my problems with my own animals and 
Um, I, my dog is certainly not on raw, um, because he can't tolerate it. So he's on a really hydrolyzed diet because he's allergic to life and it's not my preference, but it's what he is the healthiest on. And so I really have to take, you know, all the, all of your, my beliefs, um, and then just look at what's actually working for him. And I, I have to say, I've tried so many times. Uh, to get him on a raw diet. Cause I'm like, Oh no, this is, you know, this is what I'm recommending. So this is what I should do. And it just doesn't happen. And I have a cat with, um, and I know this is a podcast about dogs, but I have a cat with, <laughs> with IVD and he only has solid poops on a Royal Canaan, like prescription diet. Yeah. So it's like, here I am a holistic veterinarian. <laughs> My animals are on prescription <laughs> diets. And so I feel like it's such a lesson um, for me. And also, you know, financially, raw diets are, you know, they can be really difficult. Yeah. So. But I love what you're saying because it's it's similar to what I'm going through with Sully right now in terms of his pain management. Like, I don't like to take any Advil. Like, I'm like, I don't want to take anything. I want to do everything natural. And I had a consult with uh, our other veterinarian this week, Dr. Abbott. Shout out to Vista Animal Hospital. And she... I asked her, I said, am I projecting my like boulder granola? Like, I don't want to take any meds onto my 11 year old aging dog that probably has arthritis and we go hiking. Like how much of this is me projecting that I don't want to give him pain meds because I don't take them. And how much of it is that like, I'm just worried about him. Right. And so we were trying to tease that apart and we were like, listen, let's just try it. I think that was again, a veterinarian that was trying to meet me halfway and say, let's just try him on pay meds for two weeks and see what happens. Right. And just sort of track and we'll do blood work and we'll figure out what is working for him and what's not working for him. Right. So mm-hmm. I just appreciate you guys being flexible and like, let's do some experiments and track what's working and what's not working. Right. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah. Um, okay. So number two, what is the second best way to support your dog's gut health? So probiotics and number two, I'm going to talk about the probiotics that you buy. And I have started using both soil and non-soil based probiotics. Um, and you can see, uh, my website, boulderholisticvet.com forward slash shop. You can see the two that I sell on there. Um, I, so I use a thorn product and it's soil based. And so what that means is that it comes from the soil, but it's really hardy. And, um, you don't need to refrigerate it. That's one of the cues. A lot of times that you have a soil based probiotic, um, but it really sets up shop, um, because it's so hardy. Like it's, it's going to survive the stomach acid. Um, and it's going to really populate the gut. The other thing that's great about it is it's cheap. And so, um, I oftentimes start with this and this one single strain probiotic, um, can sometimes really improve, um, gut health, allergies, um, uh, autoimmune disease, and it's, it's really simple to do. So what I have my patients do is one bottle of a soil-based probiotic, and then the next bottle, they go through a non-soil-based probiotic. Um, and there are a lot of those out there. You can get, um, I sell one on my site called RX Biotic, or you can go to the store and get Culturel. Um, what I like to do is just keep mixing it up. And so um, the non-soil-based probiotics are a little more fragile, um, it takes a little bit more to set up shop in your dog's gut, um, but I think it's important to keep using both. And so probiotics um, all the time are my recommendations um, if your dog if your dog will take them. Mm-hmm. 
Awesome. And what is number three, the best way to support your gut cell? So number three um, are probiotic foods. And this is a really great addition. So I I do probiotic foods in addition to store-bought probiotics. Mm -hmm. And um, probiotic foods are things like um, kefir or uh, fermented vegetables like sauerkraut. Um, I, on my website, um, we can put this in the show notes too. I have a, um, a fermented blueberries cause it's kind of sweet. Um, and dogs really like the fermented blueberries and what it does is it provides a really wide variety of good bacteria and good yeast. So now you're adding in, um, a lot of good yeast. And so you're just helping populate the gut even more. Um, and so I, I really like to use probiotic foods whenever possible. Now, if you can't do probiotic foods all the time, um, if you don't want to ferment, get your fermenting gear out, um, then the, the, like the switching back between the soil based and the non-soil based, that's a really good idea too. But let's say your dog had antibiotics, then this would be a really good way to just, um, um, repopulate the gut flora. And what's great about fermented foods is they're really cheap, super cheap to make them. Um, and they have more bacteria than you're probably ever going to get, um, out of a probiotic capsule. Now you can see a lot of these things at a grocery store. You'll see kefir at the grocery store. You'll see sauerkraut, but in general, they're not going to have as much, um, live culture as if you grow them yourself. But the good news about fermenting is it's super easy. Um, probably not all fermented foods are easy, but the ones I like, like kefir is the easiest, um, and fermented vegetables and fruits are, it's really hard to mess those up. So even I can do it. So you could probably do it too. And I, I'm not really handy in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> How long do they stay for? Um, yeah. And- yep. So the, uh, the berries, the blueberries, which I really like for dogs, they, it takes about 24 hours to ferment and they're good for a couple weeks. Oh, really? So, yeah. So you can keep them in your refrigerator for quite a while. That's awesome. And yeah. so it sounds like the main difference between store-bought and, or capsule-based and real food is that you have, there's, the real food is actually going to repopulate more healthy bacteria in the gut. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so it'll have a wider range. You're going to okay. grow a lot of stuff. And then, you know, when you take a probiotic, you're just going to get the strains in the capsule. Got it. Yeah. And then you won't have most of the store-bought probiotics are not going to have all the different types of yeast. Mm-hmm. And that can be really helpful. There is a small subset of dogs in which, um, and people too, that fermented foods just don't do well. And so I would start small and increase slowly. And if you're you know, if your dog gets diarrhea or any GI upset, then you can let go of fermented foods, but that's by far the exception. Got it. And then in terms of like, you know, we keep talking about trying to figure out what works for your dog, what doesn't work for your dog. I mean, obviously we're talking about whether or not the stool looks healthy. So could you explain a little bit more about what does a healthy stool look like? Yes. So as a veterinarian, I'm obsessed with poop. I get poop (laughs) pictures all the time and people always apologize for sending me poop pictures, but I'm like, no, it's really helpful. Um, because you want to see the color and, um, how it's formed. So an ideal poop, um, is formed and it's, um, 
what's the best if you could put it on a surface like a tile floor or a wood floor and when you pick it up there's no print left behind yeah and so um i don't know do dog all dogs so everybody have try this at home yep put your dog's poop <laughs> your dog on the kitchen poops. floor <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and see what happens um and so yeah that's it and then you know if it depends on the diet you feed your dog if you're feeding your dog a raw diet their poops are going to be smaller um, and less stinky but if you're feeding your dog a home-cooked diet with like a ton of vegetables they're going to be a little bit bigger probably a little stinkier um, but it's not normal for your dog to have diarrhea. It's not normal for your dog to vomit. And it's actually not normal for your dog to have a lot of farting. And like, this is one thing that people will say like, oh my gosh, I just switched the dog or my diet or my dog's diet. And they're just, they have so much gas. And I'm like, yeah. well, that's not, that's in fact not normal. Yeah. Um, and so I, I encourage people like if their dog have, has like a ton of flatulence, like if they're just like bombing the house, um, <laughs> it's time. Or if you put them in the car with you and you just like want to pass out, like something's going on. Like yeah. that's in fact not normal. Which, and this, I would imagine, um, can be, I mean, I know within my own gut health journey, <laughs> which was several years, uh, this is, this can be complicated at times, right? To try to figure out what is working, what's not working, and to also give something a solid go before you're like, okay, that doesn't work, right? So mm -hmm. is there a way that you frame that for clients? Like, do you have them keep a journal? Like, what are you telling them to look for? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As far as your... like varies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot of talk of like, okay, well, when you're transitioning your dog, do it really slowly. So that that's a good idea if, if you can to, to do things slowly, transition diet slowly. Although I tend to not have the patience for that. And dogs with a really healthy GI tract often don't need that. But yeah. if you know your dog is sensitive, then you might as well uh, go really slowly. Um, but, you know, things that I don't personally push through are vomiting and diarrhea. Mm -hmm. Um, especially if the diarrhea is, uh, has a lot of volume and a lot of frequency. I just, I don't push through that. And I know, I know some people when they're transitioning onto raw diets, they'll say like, it's okay if your dog has some GI tract upset. Um, and I, I tend not to tolerate that except for one exception. Um, a lot of people transition their dogs onto like the, the raw frozen patties. And mm -hmm. if you don't warm that up and if you just, if it's just like this raw, cold log and your dog consumes it, they're probably going to vomit it. And so if someone says like, Oh, I, I switched over to Stella and Chewy's or whatever. And I gave them a patty and then they just vomited it right back up. Like I will say like, well, let's try to heat this up because some dogs just can't, yeah. can't tolerate a giant ice block or even something that cold in their stomach. Yeah. Um, so that's the one time where I'm like, let's, let's see if we can change the temperature. But for the most part, I, I bail pretty quickly if uh -huh. a diet change has caused diarrhea. And I know a lot of people would disagree with me. Mm, interesting. Yeah. I, I would say, imagine that your, that your clients are like, yes, let's bail. Because I mean, dealing with diarrhea is no fun task. It's awful, especially, you know, if you have a 70 pound dog that's getting up yeah. in the middle of the night or that's, you know, having diarrhea all over your house, it's like a full-time job to clean that up. Yeah. 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 That is really tricky. And in terms of transitioning from one diet to the next, or even from like a different protein source to another protein source, right? Like going from raw duck to raw buffalo or something like that. Um, Sully and I kind of, we sort of ripped the bandaid off. He has a pretty healthy gut 
in general. Um, and he always has. And so, yeah, like I, I sometimes wean him in, um, but for the most part, like sometimes I forget or I didn't prepare it properly, but fortunately he can handle that. Whereas like, I know some clients dogs like absolutely cannot. So I think that that is, um, you know, something to pay attention to whether or not your dog is okay. Yes. Like I don't, I just rub the bandaid off with my dog too. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that's not in the way, the way he's sensitive to food. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So just to recap, number one, we're talking about your dog's diet. So paying attention to what you're feeding them, the less processed, the better. Number two is store-bought probiotics. Number three is, is fermented foods. So real foods as probiotics. So now we're going to have a word from our sponsors. Sully, come. My big black lab mix comes sprinting back to me, away from the exciting distractions of the great outdoors. He has a huge grin on his face. What's he smiling about? And how did I get that rocket recall? The answer is the yummy and nutritious treats made by Farmhounds. Farmhounds makes the best all-natural organic treats and chews, humanely farmed and pasture-raised, to keep your dog healthy and happy. Use the coupon code CANINECONVO at checkout to receive 25% off your next purchase. Visit them at farmhounds.com to start your shopping now. Okay, and we are back and we are going to talk about the last two ways to support your dog's gut health. So what is number four, Angie? So number four is identifying food allergies. And this, I know. know. (laughs) No one wants to do it. It's really hard or it can be really hard, but I do have a few tricks Um, so how I look at food allergies, well, first of all, I think it's important to understand what the symptoms of food allergies, um, can be in dogs. So the number one symptom of food allergies is having an itchy dog. Mm -hmm. Um, So if your dog is chronically itchy, maybe having hot spots, chronic ear infections are another one. Um, chronic anal gland issues, maybe a lot of scooting, a lot of infection, um, and then, then we, then it's followed by GI problems like vomiting, um, diarrhea. So if you suspect that your dog has a food allergy, um, it's a little bit, or it can be a little bit of a journey to figure out what food that is. So I, I have a little bit of a system that I follow. The first thing I do is I remove grains. Um, cause sometimes that's all it takes is I remove grains. And, um, if you do decide to get on a grain free diet, um, and you do a kibble, it's important to understand that you're going to be replacing those, uh, grains with legumes, which is currently controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you decide to do that, then I would recommend, um, at least adding taurine or trying to find a diet that's low in legumes. And that is a whole separate conversation. Um, it's a whole yeah. separate rabbit hole that we could go down, but I just want to caution you, um, on that right now. I think the odds of having a problem are very low, but it is something that the veterinary community is looking at, like how much, how many peas and beans and um, how we're replacing uh, grains with legumes might not be ideal um, for all dogs. Um, Okay, so once you've removed grains, I usually give that a couple months. Um, If you have an itchy dog, you might notice they're less itchy. Um, If your dog has chronic ear infections, you're going to notice that those clear up. 
Um, so if, if grains don't work, then I switch out my protein source. And so if you're using chicken, um, switch to beef. Um, if you're, you know, do something different, like switch to bison, something else. But it's really important that you read the label because a lot of the pet food companies put multiple, like, so the bag will say, oh, this is turkey. But when you look at the actual ingredients, they put chicken in there or they'll put, you know, different um, protein sources in there. So definitely read the label. And if that doesn't work, um, then you could try a home cooked diet um, where you just use like two or three ingredients. Like you could say like rice, beef, and carrots. Um, and you want to try that for about four to six weeks. And, um, if that doesn't work, then I try an amino acid based diet. This is a prescription diet. So a lot of people don't like it and I understand why they don't. Um, but it is very helpful to decide what your dog might be reacting to. So amino acid-based diets are basically where they take uh, chicken protein. So the one I use is chicken protein. And if you think about a protein as a strand of pearls, each pearl on that strand is an amino acid. And the bigger the protein, the more reactive it is to the immune system. So when our immune system sees giant proteins, they are more likely to react to bigger proteins. Mm -hmm. And so some hydrolyzed diets will take, you know, five or six of those amino acids at a time. So we'll cut the strand of pearls into smaller amounts. But what amino acid-based diets do is they take the strand of pearls and cut it up into individual amino acids. And so that means the likelihood that the body is going to react to it is so low. Mm -hmm. And so I use these diets as diagnostics to see, do we even have food allergies? And what happens a lot, so I use a product called Ultimino by Royal Canin. And yes, it's a prescription diet. No, it's not natural, but it's really effective to let us know, like, is this a food allergy or are we dealing with an environmental allergy or something else altogether? Mm -hmm. And so once I put a dog on Ultimino, I usually do it for about four weeks. If it's going to work, usually it starts working really quickly within two to three weeks. And then the idea is you use this amino acid-based diet um, for probably about three or four months and you let the gut rest and heal. Mm -hmm. And then you start adding, you know, maybe you'll add some supplements back on um, and you'll add some gut healing um, things like broth or whatever. And then you can start um, adding in one food at a time. So then you build back a list of functional ingredients. So then you can get off um, the Ultimino. So it's not my favorite diet, but it's really effective for helping us identify food allergies. Um, usually if my patients do um, a trial with Ultimino and nothing changes, then I, I quickly move away from food allergies. Got it. And it, yeah. what are your thoughts? I mean, it sounds like all of that is experiments based off of how the dog responds, right? Mm -hmm. So um, you're, I'm sure you're familiar with the food allergy test. What is it like gold process or gold standard or something like that as the brand, right? Are you familiar um, with that one? No. So I, uh, I know Hemopez out there. I know, is it Glacier Peak has one? Um, but okay. I don't know about any other. So we don't really have any good tests for food allergies. Yeah, that, so that's what I, that's what I've been hearing more recently having this conversation is that the tests aren't maybe as tell all versus actually trying a bunch of things with your dog and keeping track. That's correct. That's gold standard. Um, we have blood tests for environmental allergies that are quite accurate, 
but we ha- we really don't have an accurate way. Um, I've had a lot of people say that, okay, we like the Hemopet, which is out of um, California. Um, they have a test called NutriScan. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I haven't looked at their data to see um, if they have a lot of data to support the test. Um, but one problem I have with that test is it only has 20 foods on it. And I have dogs in my practice that are allergic to things like carrots. Mm-hmm. And so it, on some level, I find it to be not helpful and the most helpful thing. Um, and the gold standard is to take the food away and introduce it back mm-hmm. one at a time. And so, yeah, seeing what actually works um, is, is the best way to do it. So I've stopped using allergy tests for the most allergy part. Tests. Got it. Yeah. So earlier you were saying that, you know, if a dog has, is chronically itchy or has an ear infection, which this is my sister's dog, if she's listening, um, you know, if they have those symptoms, you will, you know, change them. Maybe your first stop is a grain-free diet, but you'll also be treating the ear infection with prescription medication, correct? Yes. So I still treat, uh, infections with topical prescription medications. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually those formulas have an antibiotic, a steroid, and an antifungal. Um, Because you want to clear that up. If you don't clear it up, it's going to be hard to tell what's happening. You want to get it completely cleared up. And then the idea is that it's not going to come back Mm -hmm. on the prescription diet. Got it. Okay. So our last way to support your dog's gut health, number five. So number five is stress reduction. And I think that we, (laughs) the trainer says, yay. Yay. Yes. It's important to understand that when we stress out our dogs and when we're stressed ourselves, we produce a lot of hormones that are actually detrimental to our gut health. Mm -hmm. And so you could be feeding your dog the best diet and probiotics, and maybe you've identified their food allergies, but if every day they're stressed out, they're only going to get so far. Like if they're, and I usually have my uh, clients, you know, control stress with, you know, daily exercise. It's so important. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, people forget to take their dogs on walks and exercise them every day. And then if there's something stressful going on in the house, um, I think it's important that we do things to mitigate it, whether it's a remodel or um, a stressful interaction between, you know, a person and the dog, a cat and the dog, um, whatever is stressing them out, being able to see life through their eyes the best that we can. Um, I know, I mean, Marissa can speak to, you can speak to how, uh, how we're wrong a lot about, you know, what we think our dogs are feeling and then what they're actually feeling. All of the mind reading and storytelling that we go through. Yes. Right. Yeah. We don't want to get too anthropomorphic with it, but I think it's important to be sensitive to imagine what might be stressing your dog out and to, to take that into account. And even if you're in a stressful situation, doing as many things to help mitigate, whether that's playing a game or going for a walk, um, basically all the ways in which we take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we should extend the same courtesy to our dogs. Yeah. And I actually have a, um, enrichment ebook that I will link in the show notes because it's got a variety of different types of enrichment from both physical to mental, um, that our listeners can download and take a look at, get some ideas. I will say that, um, my favorite enrichment is nose work. I feel like nose work, which is 
teaching your dog how to find and hunt for treats or scents or specific odors. I'm just in love with this to solve every behavior issue. Like it's kind of amazing. Dogs really seem to settle down and um, it's great for fearful dogs because they're investigating their environment. It's great for reactive dogs because they're dropped into the hunting game. It's just great for any dog because they're mentally exhausted. So um, nose work is a a go-to enrichment game. And I find that most people want to do it with their dogs because it's just so fun to watch. Like you just get to see your dog being a dog. Um, So we'll link to some information in the show notes about my enrichment ebook and then um just other ways to you know other videos to enrich your dog so that we can reduce the stress in general so awesome okay so to recap number one was what angie number one is getting the least processed diet on board awesome number two probiotics and like these are commercially produced probiotics so things that you can buy Number three, uh, probiotic foods. So these are the probiotics that you get to make. Number four, identifying food allergens. And lastly, stress reduction. Yes. Awesome. So thank you so much for being here. Where can folks find you online, Angie? You mentioned your site earlier, your uh, store, and we'll link to that in the show notes, but what else are you offering online? Yeah. So you can sign up for my newsletter. You can go to Boulder Holistic Vet. Um, dot com. We have a lot of resources about um, using cannabis and CBD for dogs. And then um, if you sign up for our newsletter, then um, every Wednesday, we'll email you out tips and links to um, live conversations that we have every week. Um, you can also find me on Facebook at doc- facebook.com forward slash Dr. Angie Krause. Awesome. So thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Marissa Martino, owner of Pause and Reward Dog Training in Boulder, Colorado. And you can find me online at pauseandreward.com. Before we go, be sure to subscribe to Canine Conversations wherever you find your podcasts. You can find episode notes and bonus materials at canineconvos.com. And we'd love to hear from you. So shoot us an email at hello at canineconvos.com. Our theme music is called Funny Song and it's provided royalty-free from bensound.com. Our audio is mixed and edited by the lovely James Eady at beher.org.uk. He makes us sound good. And lastly, our logo is from Walker Hooper. You can find his work on Instagram at walkers underscore username. Thanks so much, guys. 